Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, everybody. Good evening. I'm Dr. Gina, and this is Primetime. The entire world had their eyes on Orlando, Florida yesterday. The Real America's Voice crew was on the scene at CPAC 2021 with the biggest splash. The whole crew did some amazing live coverage from the event. I am so proud of our team. I just cannot let this show go by without saying how proud I am of every single host, every single producer, our entire crew, all the people who planned it from our, uh, from the very bottom of all of those folks who worked on all the planning all the way up to our founder, Rob, who all worked hard to make this the most successful CPAC 2021 for our RAV team. It was interesting to see the, also the international media that was there at the event. Reporters from all over the world who were there waiting to see what President Trump had to say. And of course, the event was sold out as Trump supporters flocked from across the country to see if President Trump would announce anything big, like another run for the White House. President Trump did not disappoint. He was all kinds of fired up, but he was exactly on point. And so was the crowd, especially when he dropped the lines like this one, where he said he might have to jump back in and beat the Democrats a third time. Check it out. But who knows? Who knows? I may even decide to beat them for a third time, okay? been to CPAC if you have a voice on Monday. <laughs> As you can tell, there were a lot of people screaming for that applause line. President Trump Trump dropped another line, I'll get this, uh, and another hint that he might run again. And of course, the crowd went absolutely wild. Watch. With your help, we will take back the House. We will win the Senate. And then a Republican president will make a triumphant return to the White House. And I wonder who that will be. I wonder who that will be. Who, who, who will that be? I wonder. (laughs) And President Trump made other news when he said that He did not plan to start a third party. Listen. And I want you to know that I'm going to continue to fight right by your side. We will do what we've done right from the beginning, which is to win. We're not starting new parties. 
You know, they kept saying, he's going to start a brand new party. We have the Republican Party. It's going to unite and be stronger than ever before. I am not starting a new party. That was fake news. Fake news, no. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Let's start a new party and let's divide our vote so that you can never win. Then at one point in his speech, President Trump called out the anti-Trump Republicans by name. And he went down the list of turncoats who did not stand with him as the Democrats impeached him a second time. Here you go. The Democrats don't have grandstanders like Mitt Romney, Little Ben Sass, Richard Burr, Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Pat Toomey. And in the House, Tom Rice, South Carolina, Adam Kinzinger, Dan Newhouse, Anthony Gonzalez, that's another beauty, Fred Upton, Jamie Herrera Butler, Peter Meyer, John Katko, David Valadeo, and of course, the warmonger, a person that loves seeing our troops fighting, Liz Cheney. How about that? Gotta love it. CPAC does a presidential straw poll every year, and attendees were asked who they favored in the 2024 GOP presidential primary. President Trump won handily. It was no competition, and he won 55% of that vote. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis came in second with 21% support, followed by South Dakota Governor Christy Noem with 4%. And uh, they also did a poll that excluded President Trump to see who might be the front runner if President Trump did not decide to throw his hat in that ring. In that poll, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis took a wide lead with 43%. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem came in second with 11%. And Donald Trump Jr. came in with 8%. Interesting. Uh, but the yeah, one little piece of insider information on that is that the straw poll was not big news this year. In other years past, the straw poll is what everyone flocks to do. This year, I can absolutely tell you that some of those numbers were driven up by people who might have had people going to fill in those polls because I didn't hear a word about those polls. And in years past, those polls are the big news. Everyone makes sure they go and they vote. This year, I didn't hear a single word about those polls. They were not big news because everyone knows they want Donald Trump. There's just no, there's no, there was no discussion about that whatsoever. And I was very surprised at the complete lack of any sort of dissent of any kind about Donald Trump at all or about anything conservative, really. It was just all Donald Trump. That was it. There was no other conversation happening at CPAC this year. And that was the, the most, the thing that stuck out the most to me about this CPAC. We're going to have more on these straw polls coming up. But now it's time to head around America to our hosts and correspondents on the ground, as we do every day at this time. We start at the RAV headquarters in Denver, Colorado, with our own very much missed Jessica Rivera. She's always standing by with the juiciest stuff for us. Jessica, what do you have for us today from Denver? Well, Dr. Gina, leaked emails from the United Nations Human Rights Council proves they did give the names of Chinese activists to the Chinese Communist government right before the activists were set to testify in Geneva, Switzerland for China's abuses. The information was obtained from a UN whistleblower after the UN denied the accusations. 
As a matter of fact, the world is now finding out and learning that this is a usual practice for the United Nations. Once the communist government learned the identities of the activists, they were stopped from leaving China and held in detention with at least one Cao Shunli dying while detained. Another activist is Gang He, the wife of an imprisoned Chinese Christian who has been brutally tortured because of his wife's activism and detainment. The activists are well-known critics of the Chinese government's treatment of the people of Tibet, Hong Kong, and the Islamic Uyghur minority group, something our U.S. President Joe Biden said was a cultural norm. Take a listen. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of, of uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the way, he said he, he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country, and they, their leaders are expected to follow. And the United Nations whistleblower says the UN is, quote, complicit in genocide. And Dr. Gina, I would say our own president, Joe Biden, is just as complicit in the genocide. If he continues to keep the U.S. involved with the United Nations, seeing as President Trump had pulled us out, he, re, um, he put us back into it, knowing this is a standard practice of theirs. And if he continues to accept China's genocide of the Uyghurs, who are currently in concentration camps, being tortured, raped, and killed. Absolutely terrifying. And I, and I can't believe, you know, the, the left talks all the time, Jessica, about human rights and just where are they right now in this? It is absolutely absurd and hypo hypocritical because the UN, there's a lot of members in there who are saying the top five countries that have the worst human rights violations, uh, including China, Iran, and a few others, they are part of the UN Human Rights Council. So it makes no sense to them. They don't understand why this is taking place. And now that these emails have come out, people want more answers. Why is this taking place and what is really happening? Especially when uh, many of these people, it's not just, I mean, torture and uh, being imprisoned and detained against your will is bad enough, but some of these people are dying while they're detained by these uh, governments. Unbelievable. Jessica, thank you so much. You're welcome. And now on over to Joseph Weber from Just the News. Uh, Joseph, you noticed something interesting deep down in the CPAC straw poll data. I love deep dives into data. Joseph, tell us about it. Thank you so much. I think that obviously everyone knows that the top winners expected that President Trump would do well. But I'm more fascinated with the also-rans. And we... As your readers know, or your listeners, viewers, uh, we had conversations throughout the day talking about, you know, what stories we're going to do. And from about a week ago, we had talked about Rick Scott, and you were like, hmm, I'm not so sure what his conservative credentials are. And lo and behold, he didn't even get 1%. So I do this to you all the time. I'm interested to know why you think he got so, uh, so little uh, response or such a poor number. And I want to do a little bit of round robin to some of the other people who didn't do as well as maybe we all thought they would do. What's your thoughts on the Rick Scott getting less than 1%? He's your senator. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that it's just as conservative. <laughs> putting me on the spot, flipping the, flipping the, the roles here. Um, you know, I, I just know from living in Florida now for uh, just a couple of years here, Joseph, that uh, his conservative street cred, if you will, um, you know, it isn't, so, isn't so strong. You know, you take someone like DeSantis and conservatives light up. 
Um, people like his policies. Um, you take someone like Rick Scott, and I'm not saying that he's not a conservative. He just doesn't have that kind of street cred uh, that someone like a DeSantis does, who's you know who's done things like freed up Florida uh, from from some of the constraints during COVID that you know and been very outspoken and taken a lot of heat for uh, basically a conservative stance. And I think that's really. In my opinion, Joseph, that's what sort of separates the so-called, I, I can't believe I'm going to use this, this, but the men from the boys in conservatism. <laughs> I can't believe I yeah. just said that. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> unleash, <laughs> unleash the demons on me. But, uh, but you know, really, when, you, when you're willing to take the heat for a conservative stance, um, I think conservatives just love that. To them, that's just the reddest of red meat. And uh, people like Donald Trump, people like DeSantis, people like Christy Noem take the heat mm. for conservative stance. And I don't know that... I don't know that people perceive that uh, Senator Scott has done that. So maybe that's it. I don't know. Can I run a couple other names by you? How about Tom Cotton? He only got like 1% too. Were you surprised about that? I thought that he was probably in the top tier. Uh, no, I'm not surprised by that either. I, I feel exactly the same way. And I think, I think also you have to consider that this Donald Trump, uh, you know, President Donald Trump is such a popular figure and I think it's just assumed that everyone wants him or whomever he perceives to be his closest allies. So if you haven't been someone who has been front and center and supported Donald Trump, you're not going to be someone who's going to be supported by the MAGA movement. And the MAGA movement, Joseph, really has taken over CPAC and really the Republican Party at this point. Yeah, I know at one point I was looking back at some of my old reporting, Rick Scott, Rick Scott and um, President Trump of 2018 sort of parted ways with their idea for school security. And I know that maybe that was maybe the first fissure. One more name, Ken, Tucker Carlson has been a media person, has been rose to president before. What do you think about that? I know he's certainly a thought leader, right? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't think you can deny that Tucker, you know, he's a very philosophical guy. I, I never, ever in my life thought of him for president. I think Tucker is pretty happy in his role. You know, I know him pretty well and uh, just uh, actually co-hosted an event with him a couple of weeks ago. I don't think Tucker's up for a run these days. Not speaking for him. I just think he likes his life right now. He's uh, down here in Florida having a pretty great life and I, I don't see him running, but uh, you never know. He's got the hair though, right? He's got good hair. He's got some great hair. He's got some great His hair could run all by itself, Joseph, it's and maybe right, win yeah. without Tucker even having to leave Florida. That could happen. Mary. Yeah, indeed. Thank you. <laughs> Joseph, I want to ask you one more question, because in years yeah. past, Rand Paul and Ron Paul have each won the presidential straw yeah. poll many times. And in, and in 2016, the presidential primaries were still being decided. Ted Cruz won the straw poll. Um, but we see how that turned out for all of them. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, you're right about that. Notoriously, as everybody knows, Rand Paul won in 2013, 14, and 15. So the straw poll has never really sort of been an indicator of who's going to be, uh, you know, the likely presidential nominee or candidate or who's really out in front. Uh, until this year, I think that, you know, more than all the years that I've ever seen in the past, uh, you know, it's probably a very, very good bellwether of who's going to, you know, be in the top tier or, you know, just basically run away with the GOP uh, nomination. The, um, uh, it'll be, it'll, be, it'll yeah. certainly be interesting. I'm not sure who interviewed who, whom in this, uh, in this particular segment, Joseph, but it's always fun to have you. Thank you.
<laughs> Thank you. Coming up, Congressman Matt Gates and his new fiance. It is an exclusive. It is her, their first interview as a couple, her first interview. Uh, she chose to do it with us right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. You're not going to want to miss that. Also, Don Jr. and Kimberly Guilfoyle and so much more coming at you. All the juicy scoop from CPAC 2021 right here tonight on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay here. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Congressman Matt Gates was mobbed by fans everywhere he went at CPAC, and he was definitely one of the crowd favorites at the conference. I was blessed enough to get to sit down with the congressman and his fiance, Ginger, who is a close personal friend of mine, in one of their first interviews together as a couple. So here we go with Congressman Matt Gates and his fiance, Ginger Lucky. Enjoy. We have two of my dearest friends. They have become because we've had the opportunity to hang out quite a lot lately. And that is Congressman Matt Gates, better known as Firebrand, Wagon Wheel. I have a lot of nicknames for him, but the person who has more nicknames for him than even I do is Ginger Lucky, his beautiful fiance. The name actually translates very well in this situation. And I am so blessed to have you guys on set. And so blessed and thankful that you chose me to do your first ever couples interview. Thank you so much. Ginger is absolutely the driving force here. I know that this wouldn't be happening without you. And, um, and Ginger, I just want to first congratulate you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Because um, I've congratulated you like 3,000 times and celebrated with you and was was blessed enough to get to be with you at Mar-a-Lago the night you got engaged. Tell us something about that night that nobody knows. Well, not that part, but just like <laughs> that. Yeah, no. Yeah. Something about that part. Um, something that I don't think people know is when we were going into Mar-a-Lago and Matt had the ring in his pocket, which I did not know that he did, um, Secret Service was waving him down and it kept going off. And so he was trying to cover up that he had it. I had no idea what was going on, <laughs> chatting on there. But um, yeah, I think it was a big start to kind of a... Be cool, Secret Service. Be cool. I'm trying to have my moment with this woman I love. And they're like, sir, we think there's something in your pocket. Would you mind taking it out? And I had to have a bit of a sleight of hand to, uh, to preserve the excitement and the surprise. But it would only be your show, your network, where we would have our first interview with Ginger because you were there, the first one to capture our moment as an engaged couple at Mar-a-Lago. Ginger and I actually met at Mar-a-Lago. We got engaged there. And in my last conversation with President Trump, he insisted that we get married there as well. So oh, I don't know if that's that going to be. Minor yeah, he's like, oh, oh, yeah. And can you just imagine <laughs> Donald Trump like as a wedding officiant? Like, I'd I like everyone to turn to two Corinthians. 
<laughs> you know, it'd be great. Exactly. Um, so our good friend Sergio, and the reason I the reason I felt so um, so entitled to record your proposal is because our good friend Sergio, one night at Mar-a-Lago, decided to tell everyone it was my birthday, and it wasn't, and decided to tell everyone that it was um, that you had gotten engaged, and you hadn't before that. Remember? And then the rumor had gotten back to Ginger's parents, mm -hmm. and they were devastated that she hadn't told them when they heard it through the grapevine. So that night. I yelled to Ginger when you did get engaged, be sure to call your mom. Yeah, within within seconds of me saying yes, I hear a call your mom, call your mom. Like, we that? moms have a bond like yes, that. Yes, I know. But it was a beautiful night. And tell us how Ginger responded because this was an original way to respond to a proposal. Yeah, she did not say yes. Uh, her first words were, are you really doing this now? And, and that <laughs> to make sure. builds a lot of confidence, as you might expect, <laughs> as you're down on one knee at Mar-a-Lago in front of the first family. And I said, yes, I'm really doing this. I was all in at that point. And then she replied, duh, instead of yes. <laughs> Which I also love. Which, you know, again, I don't get a lot of yeses in Congress. <laughs> I was really hoping to get one Just on my proposal, but... Uh, She's locked in now, so. She's I'm excited. In. Very excited, and beautiful ring, beautiful girl, beautiful couple. The, their love is just contagious, and everybody at Mar-a-Lago, they are just our lovebirds there. We love seeing them there and taking pictures, and uh, and I have that video. Maybe we'll roll a little bit of that uh, when we when we play this. But um, but I, I want to ask you, uh, Ginger, the notoriety that comes with being engaged to someone who's not exactly subtle like Congressman Gates, he's not. You know, he goes viral when he pretty much ties his shoes. What is that like It's, it's been because like I can you? do it with my tongue. <laughs> I believe that. Um, and so tell us about that. How's that been for you? Because you were not a public person. Your social media is not even public. Um, this has been a life change for you. It, it has in a lot of ways, but it's interesting because growing up, I did grow up in California, and so I did some work in Los Angeles doing acting and modeling. So you're kind of used to being around things and cameras. So it didn't bother, that part didn't really bother me. And then also my brother with Facebook and Oculus, he'd kind of been in the press. So there's a tiny bit amount of like, most people have no experience with the press. So I at least knew little fragments of it. Um, and I didn't come to be with someone because, you know, they didn't make a splash. Like Matthew, everything he does, you know, even on in politics, he makes a splash. But also, you know, within a relationship, it's been, you know, just as exciting. And so, I mean, all the all the media, I think, has just been it's been easy. So. I hope I'm not disclosing too much, but we were talking. I said, what are you guys going to do for a you know, honeymoon? And you're like, every day is a honeymoon. It is. It is. I mean, even here, you know, we get to be here. We get to she see. She 2022 honeymoon. <laughs> we, were, we were having dinner with Judge Janine earlier, you know, running into Roger Stone. So it's just, well, it's always with fun. The president is not unusual at all for this couple. And that's oh, really no. fun. You know, he, when the president met Ginger, he said, this is a dynamic duo. You have to do this. There you go. Absolutely true. And and I think, uh, you know, one of the interesting things is how the, pu the public is perceiving you. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I've been a political wife also in, in my past. My husband was a senator from Missouri, as I say often. Um, and the questions are interesting that you get. One of the things that you've been asked is, are you going to work? Are you going to continue to work? Yeah, I get that all the time. I'd say it's even from friends sometimes. Like, are you going to continue to work? And I, I say, yes, of course. I'm going to be the breadwinner. I love my job. I love working. I love, you know, adding value. I love the Tell company that I'm with. Do, 
So I'm a financial analyst with a produce tech company. It's called Appeal Sciences. It basically makes produce last longer. So 40 to 60% of all produce goes to waste. If we can only make that last longer, you'd have a whole, you know, more massive food supply right. than we have today. Right. So a tiny startup, I started when there was about 30 people there. Um, and I've been following them now that they're about 700 people. And so I'm just crunching fruit numbers wow. um, all day. Matt's seen me wake up in the middle of the night having to adjust the forecast for, you know, the avocado cartel or maybe the freezing over of Texas. Wow. But it's super engaging and super exciting. And it's something I, you know, I would never think of leaving. But it is interesting that so many people think, you know, I mean, maybe Matt should stop his job so we can right. Nobody support my fruit you, career. Do they you're right. keep I mean, yeah, I, I may just be willing to go home and be a house husband to support Ginger's career in business. I can cook. I can clean. You see, can cook. there are negatives to like getting engaged to a per you know a person who's 38 when you're 26. Like I've lived a lot of life, made a lot of mistakes. You know, always working to be a better person. But the positive is, if you like haven't had you know someone that has washed your clothes, made your meals paid your, you know, the light bill every month, you learn how to do those things. So yeah. I was sort of like a self-sustaining human and uh, Ginger and I have just enjoyed the dickens out of getting to spend so much time together. And uh, Ginger and I really, our courtship occurred during the presidential campaign. And so right. date night wasn't always, you know, romantic wine and candles. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was a Trump rally in Ocala. Yeah. Uh, and she was a good sport about all of it. And, uh, you know, just uh, really excited about our life together. So speaking of your home life, your beautiful son. Yes. Um, the pride and joy, yes. the light in your life mm -hmm. has also become the light in your life. He is Tell so, us about Nestor. I absolutely adore every moment I get with Nestor. We do group workouts together. So even during the pandemic, we do some virtual ones, but every time he comes home, we'll work out together, we'll cook together. I mean, we'll go paddle boarding. Um, he's so, and it, what's interesting is he has so many traits that are just like Matthew. Like he'll do these things and you, it's just like, I'm sure you get it with your children, you know, your gorgeous children will make faces or say certain things where you think, wow, that's that's me. I see that all the time in Nestor and it is the, the most fun, just so much happiness and joy in that, um, in him with us. It's So watching your face while she was saying that was really special. Yes, no, I mean, we're kind of we're a modern family. We're interesting and fun, and we do great things together. And we all we love each other very much. Nestor's at Troy University right now. We're very proud of him, and uh, we know he's doing well because yesterday was allowance day, and there always have to be screenshots of the grades to calibrate the degree of allowance that is that is provided. And so uh, he's doing well, and uh, we're, we look forward to his continuing education as he pursues a nursing degree. And you know, to to uh, uh, have raised someone who is pursuing a profession to help others is something deeply rewarding. Well, and you are just an amazing couple. I cannot wait to see what you do. I can't wait for the next viral video, if I'm being honest. <laughs> and, uh, and just thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself. Well, I mean, don't the viral videos ultimately come down to Ginger's thirsty dancing? <laughs> no. I mean, she's a thirsty dancer. I well, mean, I know. mean, I can't. I do have some great bribery photos. Right. So she, she has to be nice to me forever. <laughs> I love this girl. You don't even have to try. You're just capturing the candids in the room and apparently... The thirsty dancing is a, a real you know, somebody, I'm here for the thirsty somebody dancing. Somebody once said love is love, and it really is well, when Ginger starts dancing. I'm not going to lie. But so true. Thank you all so much for Thanks, being with Gina. us. Thanks, Gina. Bless you guys. God bless your engagement and your marriage and all of your long, happy years together. Thanks for sharing so much with us. Thank you, Gina. Right. Thanks so much.
I have to say that was just about as much fun as I've ever had doing an interview. Thanks so much to my good friends, Congressman Matt Gates and precious, wonderful Ginger Lucky. You just, how could you not love her? Coming up, another political power couple sat down to talk with us. Donald Trump Jr. and Kimberly Guilfoyle are coming up next. You won't want to miss this one either. Stay right where you are. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to Dr. Tina Primetime. Well, aside from our good friends, Congressman Gates and Ginger Lucky, we caught up with another power couple at CPAC this year, Donald Trump Jr. and Kimberly Guilfoyle. Amazing to see them as well. They gave us an exclusive interview together on the RAV set at CPAC. And I have to tell you just a little black backstory because it's so fun. It was my son, Bo, <laughs> who is super good friends with them and uh, ran over and said, hey, you got to come over and do an interview with my mom. And actually, my son, Bo, is also the one who wrangled a later interview uh, with, uh, with um, uh, Ambassador Rick Grinnell. So uh, we had a lot of fun this year, and I learned that uh, my son, Bo, who's only 14, might make one heck of a producer one day. Uh, but here is what I sat down and talked to Kimberly Guilfoyle and Donald Trump Jr. about. Watch. It's an honor to have uh, two of my favorite people in the whole wide world here with me at Real America's Voice. Um, I want to just say to you guys that I am feeling like this is 100% MAGA. In other years at CPAC, there's always kind of this push-pull right. between the moderates and the conservatives. It's gone. I mean, Nikki Haley wasn't even invited to be here. Uh, others that have wronged the president, frankly, either didn't come or weren't invited. This is MAGA country. Everybody just wants to hear from the president and the people who love him. Do you feel that as well? I think 100%. I mean, you see it walking around the room. But also, I, I think you see it based on the results. Uh, what Donald Trump was able to deliver for the forgotten men and women, for the hardworking men and women of America, is what he promised. The establishment, they haven't even acknowledged those things. The establishment has too been focused on corporate interests, on nonsense policy that doesn't do anything for the American people. Uh, they're no different, frankly, than the Democrats in most cases. So I think they see it. it. It's a movement of the people, by the people, and for the people. And Donald Trump started that, and you see it here every day. And so, Kimberly, I think everybody feels like you and they and all the voters and all the money that you worked so hard to raise and, and all the effort that went into the campaign, they want to feel like it's not lost. What do we take away? What do we have right now that we can cling to that we know we have going forward? Yeah, you know, I really feel so optimistic in being here at CPAC and seeing just the huge groundswell of support, all the people that came out to support the incredible speakers like Don Jr., you know, and I spoke today, and you just felt the energy and the, the hopefulness and just the fight in people, that they haven't given up, and that's one thing that President Trump really taught America how to stick up for itself, how to fight for what you believe in, and not to let your voice be silenced, and that's why this has been so powerful. And I couldn't agree more with your commentary regarding that there doesn't seem to be a disconnect no. or any kind of schism. There is no fracture. Uh, this is the conservative party and everybody coming together to stand up for what they believe in, like the 75 million people 
plus that voted for President Trump. They get it and they're united. It's yeah. a great thing to say. Yeah, yeah. And and you just gave a speech. Your reception, of course, incredible, electric. You can't even walk down the hall without just throngs of people. Oh my gosh, there's just <laughs> watching right now. Um, and, and they're coming here and even donning their masks, which they don't like. Um, but they're here and they're doing that and cheering for you nonstop. It's electrifying. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's the greatest honor imaginable. I mean, sure you know, I, I was never really, I was political. I was always a pretty staunch conservative. Everyone knows my Second Amendment credentials going way back when. Uh, but, you know, we weren't in you know, the loop on a lot of these things prior to 2015. Uh, you know, we got in the race and, you know, I was able to make a name for myself just by being willing to engage, by we being willing to take the slings and arrows and thrown being at authentic. us by a heavy and, you know, yeah. draconian, you know, radical left media, uh, big tech, and to be able to, you know, just fight back on those things. I mean, we need more people that are willing to fight back. I think Donald Trump has shown that, and I think you're seeing that today. I mean, people who wouldn't have necessarily been fighters because they did things the old way, which was, you know, be gracious, let them roll all over you, let them right. crap all over your principles for the eternity. You know, they, that was the Republican Party. I mean, no one was better at losing than them. Right. Uh, now I think they get it, and they're going to have to engage to, to keep our freedoms and everything that we love about this country going. But the love for Donald Trump and the Amazing. Trump family hasn't really lasted. It's expanded. I think it's, you're right. it's exploded since the election. I think it's bigger now because people understand that the media lied to them about Joe Biden. You know, they spent already a year the proof. And billions of dollars telling you he wasn't a radical. Bill, uh, you know, Big Tech did the same thing. They spent years telling you he's not going to get rid of fracking. Don't worry about your jobs. They'll be fine. Oh, he's not going to be soft on China. You know, people didn't know because you had a multi-billion-dollar complex between mainstream media and Big Tech that shielded them from the truth about Joe Biden, from the scandals, from the incompetence. You know, it goes beyond incompetence at this point. All you have to do is listen to him speak right. uh, and, and realize that. I mean. This is a shadow of a man, uh, and, and look no further than speeches of his a decade ago. They're not the same guy, no. but no. that's how powerful big tech has gotten. That's how powerful mainstream media, they can get people to blindly follow an incompetence uh, because they're able to shift what you hear, what you see, and ultimately what you believe. People realize now they've been sold a fake bill of goods. They get it. There's buyer's remorse all over this country, and not just, obviously, from Republicans. Uh, I think the Republican Party is you know, as unified as ever before. The buyer's remorse comes from Joe Biden's own voters really who are saying, oh, my God, I can't believe I voted for that. Had I known about this, I wouldn't have voted for him. And I think that's going to expand. As you see, we have only 33 days in. We're back in wars in the Middle East. Yeah. You know, we're giving up to China. We're canceling our jobs. We're shutting down U.S. energy while allowing Russian energy to flourish. Opening the wall. It's, it's absolutely insane. And, yeah, the crisis of the border so is going to get much worse because people are saying, hey, great, they're opening up everything. I'm going to get everything for free. Guess what? You get to pay for it. Yeah. We'll get it for free. Uh, it's wonderful. It's going to create a flood at the border, which is going to be a serious humanitarian crisis. And that's only the first 33 days. It's a wonderful start. Yeah. There were a lot of heavy hitters at CPAC this week, and one of the biggest up-and-comers in this movement, of course, is uh, former director of national security, or national intelligence, rather, Rick Grinnell. And he's also on the short list of potential candidates for California governor to replace Gavin Newsom if the recall is successful. And I asked him about it. Listen.
So you are here at CPAC. It's been interesting. What, what is your most, what, what do you find the most interesting about this CPAC? It feels very different to me from other CPACs, but I want to get your read. Yeah, I think that this is like the most important CPAC that we've had in decades. I feel restlessness. I feel people want to know, you know, what happened and where are our, our, our you know, kind of leaders? Yeah. Where are people who are the fighters? Um, who do I need to support? I think this is a CPAC where we have a restless group of conservatives who are still frustrated at um, working really hard, having the right message, having the right candidate, and asking ourselves what happened, what went wrong. And so um, I, I sense an excitement but a nervousness mm. as to where are we supposed to go. And so having leaders here that are going to talk about what's next and what defining the fight for, for people I think is really important. I thought Ted Cruz on Friday morning was amazing. He did a really great job of firing up. Um, I like Ted Cruz without a script. I thought he was really good and, and unleashed. That was the Texas Ted Cruz. I yeah, that was unleashed. <laughs> yeah. Cancun did him a little good, I think, because he's doing really well. <laughs> Tan dressed and ready, right? Uh, so what happened? What went wrong? What's next? You asked those questions. What happened? What went wrong? What's next? Well, I think that we have to admit that we lost, and so we have to say, well, what do we need to fix? And that's the important questions. Well, after every loss, I think we got to look inward, and we can't just now patriots, patriots. Excuse me, ambassador. They're going to say it was stolen. Well, the whatever. president still says it. I talk to him regularly. He still says it was stolen. Look, what, so, so what, however it happened, though, you're saying the result is. Yeah. We obviously don't have the White House. We don't have the Senate. We don't yeah. have the House. That's your point. Correct. We lost. And so we have to fix what that problem is. Right. And maybe it's more than one thing. Um, I'm working hard in California on an initiative called Fix California. And what we're trying to do is um, understand that in California, we're tired of being the ATM for the rest of the country. And we have a lot of conservatives and a lot of independents and a lot of frustrated Democrats right now in the state. They're seeing this amazing, beautiful state that you know so well fall apart. And it's unacceptable to have the great state of California in the shape that it is in right now. And if you come into California, you sense it. There are 49 states where you can go inside a restaurant of some level and 49 states where you can go to a gym. And we are the 50th. We are not abiding by science. These these decisions, either Gavin not to Newsom, church. and not church, uh, a whole bunch of of different issues that are really frustrating for people. Either forty nine states are following science, or Gavin Newsom is following science. But the two are incongruent. So. I'm frustrated, and uh, what we're going to do with this Fix California initiative is sue every county in California to clean up the voter rolls, do a voter registration drive like you've never seen before, and concentrate on education reform. I think that's amazing, Rick, because I, I maintain having lived there for as long as I did, there are a lot more conservatives there than anybody wants to believe uh, on, on the up. left who have given up. And so I think that's fantastic. I think what you're doing needs to happen in every single state. So that's that's absolutely amazing. Um, I want to get to you because 
you are a, a superstar, super, super, superstar uh, in in this party right now, and um, and you are super close also to the president, um, and he loves you and he trusts you, and and that's uh, such a such a coveted place to be, um, and and so I want to know he's going to be speaking here on Sunday. Everybody knows that. I want to know um, what your relationship is like with him right now. Um, when the last time you spoke with him is, what his mood is, and when the next time you're speaking with him might be? Well, uh, I speak to him pretty regularly. Uh, I'm having dinner with him tomorrow night, um, and I, I love him. I think that he's incredibly brave and somebody who is the outsider. And I actually believe that our system, the system of, of government, benefits from outsiders, people with different set of eyes that, that don't live and, and have a social life and have their entire existence and future payments in Washington, D.C. I think that we've got to have people who are willing to, to be on the outside, and that's what he did. He's got very thick skin. He's got very big ideas, and he is incredibly focused. And so um, I do talk to him regularly. Uh, he gives me advice on what to do next. And? And? <laughs> because I have to say, my son, Bo, I had him go wrangle you. I watched him try to get you all the way here down this long corridor with thousands of patriots. And it was a job. I'm so proud of my son for doing it because you cannot get Rick Grinnell two feet uh, without crowds, you know mobs. You have a pink thing in the distance. The neon, the neon newscaster here. And and because you are so well loved, and everybody wants to know what are you going to do next. I know the president wants to see you do something. Uh, what are you going to do next? Well, I've been fighting for capitalism, and I'd like to take advantage of capitalism now, make a little money, since I haven't. Uh, uh, made a lot of money. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm looking at uh, the private sector and, and different opportunities. That is not the answer we want to hear, Rick. Come on, do better. Look, I'm also focused very deeply on this Fix California initiative, as well as our uh, petitions in, in California to recall Gavin. It's a, you know, left, right, and center agreement that Gavin Newsom has mismanaged the state. This so is we, not a political issue. So if we get him recalled, who runs against him? Well, first of all, we have to get him recalled, and we're not there yet. We need 1.5 million verified signatures. We have 1.875 unverified. The national media is not doing a very good job of helping us because they keep telling everybody we're there, and everybody then is jumping to say, okay, who's running? We're there. We are not there. Coming up, Rush Limbaugh was on the hearts and the minds of every conservative at CPAC this year. His friend and right-hand guy, Bo Snurdly, spoke to me this weekend. That's up next. More Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay around. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to CPAC. We also caught up with James Golden and asked him about losing his best friend, as you know, Rush Limbaugh. Listen. Anyone in 
media like me knows what it means to have someone as loyal who stands by your side and goes through the days of hell, goes through uh, the days that you're sick, goes through the days of victory, um, the sweetest moments, the worst moments with you. You were that person to him for all of those years. Tell us what that feels like now that you look back and you have basically an encyclopedic knowledge of this man that nobody in the world really has. You know, it was, um, it was started in New York, and so that was almost 30 years ago. And I moved down to Florida, but there were four of us in the studio every day. Uh, Don Baczynski, Brian Johnson, and myself with Rush. Um, and, you know, when you work that long with someone for 20, you're family. It, it, we're family anyway, and just very close. So, I mean, all of us are still devastated, and I still can't believe it in some moments that he's gone. But obviously our job now is to uh, carry the torch and make sure that his legacy is uh, expressed throughout the media properly and throughout our culture. And so that's what I think our, our mission is right now. But it's just a devastating loss. And it's, not, it's like losing, it's, it's losing part of yourself. And I mean, what can be worse than that? Yeah, I, I really can't imagine what could be worse than that. But perhaps if there's anything um, for you, you lost your own mother the same week. I can't even fathom how you're putting one foot in front of the other, um, how you've managed to give so much of yourself in this time of real personal loss. Um, but you have. Where's that strength coming from? God. My mother was uh, such a firm believer all her life and, of course, that's how she raised us. My mother lived to be 94. I consider myself blessed. I had wonderful, wonderful years with her. And God kind of prepared us that it, this was coming. Um, we had a while. My mother hung in there for a long time. And I'm so glad that she's out of pain, out of suffering. I'm glad Rush isn't suffering. And then um, on that Monday, before all of this started, I lost my pet, my stumpy. I had a, 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 a bird that I had for 16 years. Rush did a little feature on him because he was a special needs bird. So that started. What kind of bird was he? It was a parrotlet, a small parrotlet. So it was just like Monday, Stumpy, Wednesday, Rush, and then Sunday, my mom. It was just an amazing week that I've never, uh, it was. So you're a changed man. Yes. You really are. I mean, it's, 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 it's God directing you down a new avenue. What is this new avenue for you, James Golden, Bo Snurdly? Well. I'm not going to answer that just yet because we have to work out the details now, don't we? <laughs> I kind of love that answer. So we're here. Uh, we're at CPAC. Uh, Russia's is being inducted into the Conservative Hall of Fame. There's a lot of recognition of a career that's just uh, inarguably the most remarkable uh, in conservatism, really, of all time. I mean, he did more to advance the conservative movement except for God, <laughs> Rush. Um, and as he stated, talent on loan from God. Um, I started listening to him back, as I've told my, my viewers many times, back on when I was in a child in my dad's office. And it's the reason that I do what I do today. Um, and But I'm just one of literally millions of people. Um, and, and so you, you can't really immortalize someone like Rush, but did he ever talk to you about how he wanted to be remembered? No. no. Rush was always present-centered. What's the next show? 
even after he got through with the show. Once in a while he'd say he'd talk about the show yesterday, but that was very rare. He was always focused on the next show. We didn't know his last show was going to be his last show. We thought that there would be more. But how does anyone want to be uh, immortalized and remembered for the good that they did? And he did so much good. He and Catherine were so uh, philanthropic, and, and they've helped so many thousands upon thousands of people, uh, sometimes without even being recognized for it, because that's not what they're seeking. Um, of course, his impact on the media landscape, no one can erase that. No one can erase his impact as a successful broadcaster and what he did to change his own industry. And for me, um, those of us that knew him, no one can erase the kind, generous, loving, gentleman that Rush always was. He was the most decent man you would ever want to meet. And, you know, I, I miss him severely already. And I, this is like a pain that's never going to go away, you know. It's just never going to go away. And, um, and my last question to you, um, so your most, I guess, surprising element of um, just carrying on, you had to visualize kind of what this was going to feel like. What has been the most surprising um, part of just carrying on being, being Bo Snurdly post-Rush? Here's the thing. I never expected this to happen. I didn't. I, I'm maybe call it denial, call it whatever you want. Yeah. I always thought that Rush would, that miracle would happen, yeah. and that Rush would be you did. spared. I, I yeah, I always thought that, and so this is a surreal time for me right now. I'm st I still can't even wrap my arms around the fact that he's gone. I, I just can't. Um, it is a pain that is, you know, aside from my mom. It's, it's a pain that I've never experienced before. That's what it's like. It's a constant pain that just doesn't go away. And how, how strange for that to be so personal and yet so public, because I think so many people feel that way who never even knew him. But Crazy. they did know him. But yeah. they did know him because he was so open with who he was. For 30 years, he was in our homes. He was in our heads. And yeah. so for 30 years, we got a chance to know Rush. Yeah, so they knew him. But I love still hearing him on the radio. Me too. <laughs> thank you so much, James Golden. Oh, Jeannie, you know, I love you. Thank I you, Dr. You. Gina. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you. See you back here tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern, live from Studio 6 p.m. Up next with Damon and the crew. Hug your children. Love your God. You go boldly now. Live the truth. Good night, everybody.